Hey everyone from outside the zone, this is Doc and Pav. So we're recording a special episode today. Normally we just talk about sports and specifically basketball, but in light of the events that have taken place in Minneapolis and specifically the the murders of, of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor and countless others, we thought the least we could do is talk about this subject and the Black Lives Matter movement on this podcast so that any listeners can really learn more about this movement and hear from someone who's on the front lines of it. So today we are joined by Amna. She's currently a senior and she also is someone who's been organizing protests for the Black Lives Matter movement and is someone who's always been unafraid to voice her thoughts for any injustices, whether it's Black Lives Matter or racial injustices, religious injustices she sees from anywhere in the world. So Amna, welcome to the show and thanks for joining. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, happy to have you. So you organized the protest in Cincinnati. So, so many others are part of this movement, are allies, right? almost Allen Islands, whether they're helping through donations or even just showing up to these protests. But what led you to motivate yourself and really go so above and beyond and organizing these protests and, you know, putting in so much time and effort in that manner? Yeah, so I definitely want to reiterate that it was a collective effort between myself and about six to eight other students from the Cincinnati area. You know, we have a big group of us that's like allies, those in the Black community, And we all just decided that we wanted to do something more than just attend. We wanted to be a part of the movement and kind of set our own precedent, set our own tone. So we organized very quickly, actually. We had the idea in one day, came up with the location, came up with the plan, came up with the speakers, the script, um, and everything. And we actually mobilized very quickly in 24 hours. We had hundreds of people show up the next day and raise over a thousand dollars in monetary donations as well as tons of food so we were very well equipped and it was crazy how happened it fast because it it really shocked me to see that we could do something so successful and so large in just 24 hours that's awesome that you guys were able to bring such a mass people to buy into what you're doing and like really give more than just a retweet or more than just a link share it's really all about getting people up off the ground and really buying into the buying into the the moment and the revolution as they call it. What do you think when people say, you know, all lives matter and kind of talk about that rhetoric? And I mean, obviously, all three of us agree, you know, every life matters. You know, I think we've seen how, you know, black people specifically are almost targeted by police and things like that. So when someone comes up to you and says all lives matter, whether that's a police officer or someone maybe maybe who's more conservative or really anyone, what's your response to that? Well, my response is, you know, of course, all lives matter, as you said. But right now, the lives that we're focusing on are black lives because they are the ones that are systemically oppressed by the systems we have in place. And they are the ones that are affected by the different social and political spheres that we have in our society today. So a lot of the systems we have going on right now are really created to disenfranchise black and brown communities. And so it's important that we stand up for black lives now because those are the ones being affected, like you said. So of course, you know, no one's saying all lives don't matter, but we're just saying we need to mobilize right now and ensure that black and brown communities are safe, especially black communities, as you said, because they are targeted more by the police. And there's just factual evidence from this. And they are more targeted even when they're unarmed than other unarmed folks, Hispanic or white. So I think it's just really important to keep in mind, you know, 
the statistics of what actually happens. And, you know, people are coming out here and protesting because they're angry, but it is all backed up by all of these instances that we've seen with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Tamir Rice, so many different names, you know, and these are some of these are the only ones we've caught on camera. So, you know, a lot of people, folks wonder, what haven't we even seen? You know, with social media, this movement now has really taken a different course than it did in the past. I think the last big time the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement, excuse me, was large was in 2014 with the Ferguson kind of riots there. But this time is different because we do have social media and we have cameras and we have everything now on Twitter, you know, it's a lot bigger than it was even in 2014. So people are really utilizing these social media platforms to kind of advocate for and showcase what's really going on in our society. So I think that's what's different now. And I think, as you said, we have to keep in mind which lives right now are being targeted in a negative way. And that's what we need to focus on. It's not to say that other folks' lives don't matter, but right now we have to come together for this cause because that's that's what's on the front lines of what's happening. Yeah. So, I mean, like you mentioned, too, that we don't even know how many of these are not captured on camera or things like that. I can't even imagine, you know, not even going back to maybe the 2000s, but going back to the, you know, the 50s, the 60s, things just mm-hmm. like Emmett Till, even though that wasn't, you know, police related, things like that, that just... Right. You know, got swept swept under the rug, like heartbreaking cases, heartbreaking cases like that. So obviously, social media has given you know a voice to pretty much any everyone and anyone that wants it. So that's obviously a powerful tool, and I think that has allowed the public basically to hold the police to a greater measure of accountability than you know we were previously able to do. Even though the vast majority of these police brutality cases do end up not obviously going the full way and, you know, putting those police behind bars, but it is uh, it is a step in the right direction, at least having the public, you know, to be able to see these in the manner that they are. Yeah, I actually just read a statistic that like 99% of the police officers that are involved in these instances don't really face any kind of criminal charges. So it just goes to show that regardless of how many times this has happened in the ha- past, they really have not been held accountable. And I think that's what folks want to see in the future is police being held accountable. I'm sure you guys heard, but Derek Chauvin, the police officer that kneeled on George Floyd's neck, had countless of complaints about his behavior in the community and his general you know, demeanor with, within his profession. I don't know if it was 16 counts or different complaints. So a lot of these people are repeat offenders, maybe not in murder, but kind of that violent nature or that intolerant nature in the community. And that's something that police officers should have zero complaints from the community about their behavior. And they should be held to the highest level of the law that they are enforcing. Right. Especially going back to what you said about the age of social media and holding them accountability, like now more than ever, we see more than when Colin Kaepernick kneeled in 2016. And that was a big movement. And that that did help, I would say, spark what the movement is becoming today and really make it reach a new height still just right now it's you feel you see so much more people buying in you see every company making a statement and even though some statements are just generic companies trying to do that to check off the list like at least they're doing something that's moving us in the right direction and we hope that these people continue to act on it and do things such as protest or make donations and things like that um, and we even saw like for Ahmed, Ahmed Arbery, he could have, he would, his killers would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for social media, it wasn't for people rallying around trying to get his killers accused and arrested. 
so we say about holding them accountable and we have all these people coming to protest and everything, which is amazing for the cause. What do you think is the step to actually making change in the systematic oppression of people of color and the black community? That's a really great question because I think that's something that is even larger than any of us can really comprehend because it's so loaded. We have so many different police officers, different police forces across the nation. And I think one problem that we're seeing is that if an officer has an issue in their local community or their local station, they are able to just pick back up and go to a different station and kind of commit the same kind of violent acts or the same kind of racist tendencies. So I know that some of the people I've been working with, one thing that large difference is having a national database of all officer offenses that keeps track of, you know, the community complaints like we saw with Derek Chauvin and the different offenses that happen. And absolutely murders. If you if you murder a citizen, that absolutely needs to be accounted. And I think having a national database and registry would eliminate that idea of, oh, well, I just did something wrong in this county. Let me just move to the count three counties over and serve as a police officer there because there, as we talked about earlier, there's really no sense of accountability because there's no, they don't get prosecuted for the crimes they commit. They don't even hold themselves to the same standard that they hold their citizens to. So I think that's one way to, you know, start that systemic change. And I just think, as we said already, holding these officers accountable to the highest of the law and convicting them of these crimes and not letting them get away with murders, because I think that would make a statement that, you know, this behavior is not acceptable just because your police officer doesn't give you the right to murder citizens, especially eight times under a no-knock warrant, like what happened to Breonna Taylor. So I think, you know, it's reforming different policies and systems within these police forces that will get us in the right direction and holding them accountable and showing them that your behavior will not be tolerated because as we said before, these are the people that are enforcing the highest of the law. So why are they not held to the same standard, even a higher standard? They're supposed to be exemplary citizens in our community, showcasing the example of what we should be acting like. And instead, you know, we're even seeing violence happen at the pro peaceful protests, might I add. We're seeing violence from the police officers that are not even acting in accordance to any kind of peace or any kind of safeguarding that they're supposed to do. So there's there's a lot of a lot of questions that can be asked and a lot of solutions that we could pose. But I think the accountability factor and having that database is would be a really great place to start. Well, I think that's a great idea. Obviously, anything that can lead to more accountability in cases like this, because we are going to have more cases like this pop up. It's not just going to end miraculously with George Floyd, unfortunately. Right. So having a database like that, I think, is you know a step in the right direction. Today, actually, the Minneapolis uh, City Council proposed proposed and passed defunding the police department completely. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's the direction we need to move forward for a lot of other cities, or is that a little bit too drastic? Yeah, I, I personally am in support of that. And I know people say, well, who's going to enforce our laws and who's going to enforce our rules? But there's a lot of different ways that you can approach the kind of things that we're enforcing. So I know, as I said, we we're having a conversation the other day. Why do we need to have police officers that are enforcing traffic violations come with a loaded gun? Because there have been so many cases where there's a nonviolent offense or a taillight is out or something, and that citizen ends up dead. There's no reason 
that the police officers already need to come with a loaded firearm if they're, you know, they're just giving them a ticket or their taillight is out or something like that. So having having police that are not armed in all cases, I think is a great place to start. And defunding the police would actually, you'd have to reevaluate, you know, which sources are going to be going to these calls because it's, you you know, you can't have a free for all. That's not what defunding the police is. But defunding the police means we're redirecting that money and resources to other agencies that will enforce these things. Another example would be in terms of mental health. Like, why do we need to have police officers go to mental health checkups? Why can't we have psychologists, psychiatrists, other mental health professionals go to these home calls and check on these individuals in a nonviolent, peaceful way? So I think we need to reevaluate, you know, what purpose are the police serving? There are some cases where we're going to need, you know, firearms and other things if there's a serious threat. But I think this kind of behavior has been tolerated for so long from these police forces. And, you know, they only do go through nine months of training. Our teachers go through more training. Lawyers go through more training. Almost, I think every other profession goes through more training and they're not carrying firearms. So you have to think about all of these things. So I know um, defunding the police definitely is not an unpopular opinion these days. And I, I understand why, because I think there's alternative solutions that we can find to the current police system we have now, because that clearly is not working. And it, a lot of communities don't feel safe with the police as it is today. You know, it's important to note that our current police system stemmed from slave patrol back in the day. So this system actually is working exactly as it was designed. It wasn't it really wasn't designed out of, you know, we want to protect all communities. It started off already serving and protecting one community, which I feel like is what we're seeing today, just in a different form. Obviously, we don't have slavery, but we have all these other systemic oppressions and still a similar police force. And um, behaviors of white supremacy and racism are tolerated on these forces. And you, you know, people wonder why why are people mad? Well, that's why we're mad because that behavior is tolerated. So. It takes defunding the police to do a complete overhaul of what's going on. I support that. That's a very good perspective. And I think that seeing all the police brutality that's continuing despite all the protests that are going on, the very peaceful protests that are going on, is definitely shows that there's a big flaw in the system. Speaking of those protests, um, there has been a lot of violence and looting and stuff in these protests. And I know a lot of it is people just trying to take advantage of the situation and try to attribute it to the cause, which is not what it is at all. But people just have, are very, very messed up people that want to be able to court attribute violence to this movement, which is ridiculous. But the whole point of having this platform and using this episode is to try and show people that how to look at this from a perspective of change being needed. So I wanted to know your opinion on all the violence and looting and stuff that's happening. Yeah, so... I definitely want to clarify, I think most protests have been peaceful because, as you know, all 50 states and different cities within the states are having these mass protests and almost all of them are very peaceful. I think we've seen a lot of reporting on when it when it when things go south and when people start looting and when they start rioting. And my perspective on that for me is that I am in no place to tell other black folks how to protest, because, number one, you know, we're dealing with a 400 plus year history of oppression, slavery, segregation and Jim Crow, and now police brutality and mass incarceration. 
So you know what? When you think, when you just think about the history that has gone on, and you say, "Wow, all of these people have been murdered in this 400-year time span," and now we have people that are mad that buildings are being burned. I I just can't even entertain a conversation with those in in the same way because we have lost so many lives because of racism, because of slavery, because of oppression. And I think that's, you know, if a couple buildings need to be burned down, if a couple glass windows need to be broken to overhaul and get some real change, that's okay with me. Because I'm not in a place to tell other people 400 plus years of oppression how they should and should not protest at this time. But I do want to speak to your point on some of these people that are looting and rioting and really causing the genuine damage are not part of the movement. I would say Almost everybody in this movement, a very small percent, I would say, is turning it into be violent. And some of them are not even from our cause, as you said. Um, I don't I don't know what to say to them because I think it's unfortunate because they're turning this movement into something that it's not. It is very peaceful. It is for all people. We want everyone on board. And um, I will even say I've seen different videos and different sources claiming there might even be some ex-police officers or even current undercover police officers planting different objects, putting putting a pile of bricks here, you know, just so people have the opportunity to throw them or putting this old police car here and then blowing it up themselves and saying, oh, they're blowing up police cars. So we have to be very critical when we see these videos, too, of looting and rioting. And we really need to question, did this happen in the way that it's being reported on? What would the intention be behind this? And also, again, are the most of these protests peaceful or are people looting and rioting? And when you really think about how many protests are going on in all these different cities, your answer is going to be that almost all of them are very, very peaceful. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Obviously, when people cover it or the media is covering it, they're going to focus on the on the ones that are out of control. So I think those can get blown out of proportion. I think most most people know that are within the within the movement and also outside the movement that most of it is peaceful and I and I hope people can focus on that part of it and hopefully the violence and the looting doesn't take away from the core message which obviously right. is just about everyone everyone being treated equally. So we just want to thank you again so much for joining. We want to thank you for you know putting yourselves on putting yourself on the front line for this. A lot of people are being hurt in these protests, you know, right. whether that's the fault of cops or, you know, anyone else. So we understand that you are taking a risk, putting yourself out there. And we but we appreciate the sacrifices you are making and the the unselfishness that you're displaying by doing everything that you're doing for the cause. So just thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. thank you. Can I just add a point really quickly about yeah, absolutely. Um, that this movement really takes everybody and it's it's not something that's going to happen when only black folks are advocating for black folks because that hasn't worked you know obviously black folks have been saying you know we're tired of this behavior we don't deserve to be treated like this and we're still here so this really takes everybody to get on board and one thing i've been telling folks all week is that there's nothing political about this like you just said there is right and there is wrong and do you care about other human beings and do, or do you not there is, there is no two sides of this. It is, do you care about other human lives and will you stand by them or will you stay silent? So I just wanna remind people of that. There's, you know, I'm marching with my 15 year old brother and I looked at him and I said, I will never in my life understand what is controversial about this because there is nothing controversial 
about standing up for others and caring about other people and showing that compassion and empathy for what they have gone through. So I just hope that everyone takes that away from the movement is that great things can happen when we come together and stand in solidarity. And I really hope that genuine, tangible changes happen and that these protests and that all of these lives lost are not in vain. When, you know, when people come together for and back things that are as powerful as this, I think special things do happen. And I think that's something that all of us hope to see soon. And so hopefully the next generation and the generation after that doesn't have to see all the injustices that are commonplace in today's society in the U.S. and around the world as well. So, but again, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much. Thank you for giving me this platform to speak. I appreciate you guys taking away from, you know, your sports episodes and focusing on something current events-wise, because I think that's really important. As I said, it takes everyone. So I appreciate you guys using your platform as well. This is, yeah, I mean, this is more important than sports. Sports is, sports is entertainment. You know, sports is something that, you know, can, can take you away from reality. When it comes down to it, there is a reality. There are things happening to people all over the world. And, and by even by even us just covering sports, most of the people we're talking about are black African-Americans. So we would be lying to ourselves if we thought the people we're covering are immune to this. So, I mean, it's something that I think needs to be talked about and needs to be discussed on, obviously, this podcast and pretty much any other sports outlets, outlets and media as well. So, Thank you, Emna. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. So we hope you guys enjoyed our discussion with Amna. Again, shout out to her for all that she's doing for the movement and for giving up, giving us her time as well. Pav, any thoughts from that discussion? Yeah, I think it's awesome, especially, I mean, me and you can sit here and say all we want about Black Lives Matter, about people needing to change, about racism in America, but and about needing to believe Black voices and care about Black people in this country. But it's just amazing to be able to have someone that has not only lived through it, but is going through it right now and really organizing people together to, and really un- takes the time to understand. And all we want to do with, is use our platform to amplify their voices. So it's awesome to be able to hear what she's doing and her th- honest, genuine thoughts. And I think it's important for our fans to hear the thoughts from someone like Amna that's in the front lines, he's feeling it on a daily basis and goes has been going through it her entire life. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when we look back in the history books, whether it's in history class or just going on Wikipedia, the civil rights movement is just something that, you know, is ingrained in American history. And it's one of the most proudest moments I think this country has had. You know, this is kind of a modern day civil rights movement in a sense where black people and people really of all colors are coming together to fight for just just fight for the fact that everyone should be treated equally. Yeah, and I mean, especially with sports, I think sports has a really unique opportunity to have a platform, as we've seen Colin Kaepernick really put himself out there by creating a movement and sparking that, even though, look at how much controversy it came, and then the NFL just NFL just said that they take back what they said, like they apologize for um, silencing their players and repressing the movement. And I think it's important that they took a big step. So like, even if it's four years later, it's going to be a lot more years. Like you said, something like this is unfortunately still going to happen. And we have to just take the punches and fight through it. It's important that we do that together and as a community, especially a sports community that has the platform to reach out to a lot of people that honestly, a lot of people who don't believe in this movement. So you, you mentioned the NFL. What do you think about the whole Drew Brees situation? He faced a lot of criticism for 
his interview on Yahoo earlier this week about obviously just alluding to the flag flag and what it means to him instead of focusing on the actual movement and what people like Kaepernick stood for. He's issued, what, at least a few apologies since. He's even sent a letter to Trump. Drew's first statement was completely out of line. Do you think he's amended himself in the right way by showing that he's an ally, at least on social media, to this movement? Or do you think more needs to be done? And do you buy the sincerity of what he's saying? Right. I mean, I always think more needs to be done, but I think that we can all agree, as you said, his his first comments, not only were there, it was just completely tone deaf um, to the moment that's going on, to the moment he said it, to the situation in America. Like that was very insulting and very disheartening to hear from someone who so many look up to as a leader in the New Orleans community and the national community. But I do think that he has shown that he's moving in the right direction. I mean, yes, he's going to issue the statement apology that a publicist writes for him, that his team writes for him. Okay, everyone does that, and now what do they do at post that, right? Every team has written out a statement. What have they done? The 49ers wrote out a statement. But have the 49ers shown it? Have they donated to Kaepernick's campaign? Have they draft? Have they done things to really make up for what has gone on in their organization, right? So I think Drew Brees, by writing his letter to Donald Trump and by apologizing and by using his platform, it really shows what the movement's about. We this whole thing and whole way to bring all the awarenesses is to change people like his minds, right? And if we're gonna continue hating on him and continue giving him the um the silent treatment and the negative attention because he's changed his mind, and I honestly think he realizes a mistake. And yes, I don't believe he's full on Black Lives Matter and and defund plates everything. And I don't believe that. And we're not gonna get that from everyone, but I do believe he realizes what he did wrong. And I think that's the first step to making change. And I think we really need to applaud him. And yes, I hope he carries it on, but I think we really should be proud because that is what the movement is all about, turning people like him, especially someone with a platform. Yeah, and I mean, there's no way to know if he was being sincere with his apologies. There's there's really no way, no way to know. All we can do is take him at his word. But like you said, I think it's, he's obviously taken time, I think, to educate himself, whether that's listening to his teammates, whether that's, you know, Googling about this movement himself or whatever the case may be. So I think at least it shows that he... He's taken a little, little, little bit of responsibility himself to teach himself more, and that's really all you can ask for. For people who, even people like us, we don't know what it's like to, you know, be black and have the black experience, and really have to, you know, fear the police, you know, in any given situation. So we don't know that. So it's up to us and 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 anyone to educate themselves. And that's really all you can do and be an ally to the to the uh, black community that needs it right now more than ever. And it's not enough to be silent. You really have to be there, whether it's through donations, through using your voice on social media and just going in person and really, you know, really just showing how much you care. As we posted on our social media platforms, we are matching donations up to five hundred dollars to the to 11 Black Lives Matter organizations so go to our social media pages and go on the links that'll take you there where you can donate send us the screenshots and we will match those donations thank you all so much for listening